So now what? Save the world? Anyone could be one of them. Controller. Trust no one. Welcome to Thoughtspeak, a podcast dedicated to the discussion of Kay Applegate's 1996 book series, Animorphs. My name is Coleman. And my name is Mitchell, and we've got a very special episode for all of you tonight, because tonight on Thoughtspeak we review a book that I have never read, and I'm not too sure about Coleman. I've read this several times, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. I've remembered every plot point of this book while I was reading it. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. Well, this was uh, all brand new territory for me. And I got to say, why are we even trying this week? Like, why why even continue the podcast? I feel like we may have peaked last week. <laughs> oh, uh, of course you're referencing our legendary review. Or, I mean, uh, review. review. We it's, it's a review of our conversation <laughs> with Michael Grant. <laughs> we, we interviewed uh, and recorded a interview with Michael Grant, co-author co-creator of the Animorphs, this, you know, book series that this podcast is based off of. The whole reason we're here talking and you're here listening to us, basically. Yeah, and I I don't know. I I don't know if we'll ever do better than that. Uh, who's to say? Who's to say? In the future, hopefully we can get uh, both of the Applegates back for a uh, one last Q&A sesh. Or maybe mm-hmm. that, you know, after we wrap up the series... Maybe that's just what Thoughtspeak becomes, is just interviews with the Applegates. <laughs> we should have asked him that. I, I didn't even think about that. Are they the Applegates or the Applegates or the Grants? Uh, probably legally, like, you know, on all the, the, the mortgage and everything. Probably the, the Grants, I would say. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I think uh, Catherine kept her, her legal name as Catherine Applegate, but I could be wrong. I don't know. Let's ask her. We should. Let's ask her um, how to stock them better. <laughs> but to uh, continue on your theme of what you said, um, we should just, after we get the big ones out of the way, like if we get a Kay Applegate interview or, or whatnot after the series is over, uh, just start interviewing like the writers of the fan fiction. And <laughs> Sure. I mean, we could, we could do a lot. Theoretically, uh, we, could, we could interview um, you know, people who might have directed episodes of the TV show. Um, the actors from the TV show uh, are still quite active on social media, I believe. How crazy would it be? So the one I've seen active on social media is Cassie, the girl who played her. Yep, I've heard a lot of uh, her defenses of the show. How insane would it be if we got Sean Ashmore and her for a double interview and just like awkwardly forced them back in to talk about the show. I, I think it would be amazing if we could get the entire cast, or at least the core kids, together and then make them act out an episode that we write. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be like that episode of Futurama where uh, yes, the, the that's gas... Exactly, that's exactly what I was thinking, the Star yeah, Trek episode. The, the Star Trek episode where the gas... Uh, where alien, no fan has gone before, if mm-hmm, where anyone's the interested aliens, in looking For the people who haven't seen the show, let me explain it. Uh, <laughs> there's this gaseous alien, and he collects all these former stars of the original Star Trek series, gives them new bodies so they're young again, and forces them to fight and reenact his terrible fan fiction. Uh, so we're going to do that with the Animorphs TV show actors. 
It would be wonderful, and I think a great use of everybody's time. I think so too, and it'd be cool to because we could probably start out with like the ones who aren't acting anymore. Like maybe the I think the Rachel isn't an actress anymore. Uh, the guy who played Tobias isn't. Um, the guy who played Axe and obviously Sean Ashmore are probably the most successful. Yes, those are those two are the the most successful actors to come out of it. Um, the uh, Boris guy who plays Marco, um, I don't think he's still acting, but I've seen him on social social media. He's done comments on the show and stuff. We could we could awkwardly ask like Sean Ashmore, like, "Hey, you've starred in X Men, you've starred in all these great big huge movies. You're a great actor. Uh, what would be your advice to actors starting out or your fellow uh, Animorphs actors? Uh, how they could get into the industry?" <laughs> well, you know, here's the thing: we don't want to we don't want to take the tone where we're insulting them. Uh, we're only going to do that in episode uh, this one, the suspicion. <laughs> Well, of I'll course, lose because no one will listen to this episode. Believe yeah, I'll, me. I'll lose that tone by the time we get to actually interviewing him. <laughs> Just like if Michael Grant had listened to like any of the first five episodes, he would have never interviewed with us. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. That's another thing that I wish we would have asked him is if he had listened to, to anything of ours in I the past. Because I doubt sincerely it. doubt it and I hope not. Because if he had, he would have heard us like, saying some pretty awful things. I mean, we love both the authors, but we said some horrible things at their expense to get a laugh out of our audience in those first 10 books. So, Well, I mean, that's just the harsh realities of fandom and life. Think about it this way. Every single time we made fun of Cassie, we were basically making fun of Kay Applegate, and that's a lot of episodes. I, I totally agree with you, and I know exactly what you mean, but at the same time... I, I hope people know that Cassie is like one of the characters that I feel like I can relate to on a personal level the most, mm-hmm. almost. So I, I mean, I don't by any means hate Cassie. She just gets stuck with a lot of the not so great books. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of terrible Cassie books, let's go into tonight's episode. Uh, yeah, tonight we are reviewing book number twenty-four, The Suspicion, and I gotta say, not sure what or where the suspicion was in this story. Well, there was a suspicion that there might be a plot in this book, and uh, I don't—I don't know if we ever found it. Well, there was most definitely a concept. There was. I, I can applaud them for that. Uh, I believe it's your turn to read the back of the book. Oh, but first we got to talk about the cover. Well, I will just say, be prepared, fellow listeners. Not fellow listeners. I'm a host. You're a listener. Um, <laughs> be prepared. I might be about to pull a J.J. Abrams-esque twist on Mitchell. Let's see if he thinks I actually hate this book or if I'm actually a huge fan. We'll find out. Yeah, I don't care about any of that. Uh, talking <laughs> about the cover, looking at this thing, it's uh, it's kind of a watercolor mess. Um, first of all, not the most appealing looking of animals to grace the cover, and certainly one of the most confusing when you consider these books, like uh, Anteater, huh? How's that going to be useful? <laughs> well, it makes you wonder if... The books, plots, and and those sorts of things were, if they came up with them based on what animal they wanted to use for the front cover, or if they got the animal after they came up with the plots of the book. Well, if we're guessing at how this book specifically was uh, idealized and conceptualized, I would think that the whole shrinking and anteater idea was synonymous. They were they were together. Uh, as soon as they came up with the whole tiny aliens plot. Yeah. I do want to say, so this is interesting. If you, uh, oh, so I, I don't like the front cover. The front cover is whatever. It's it's one of the not great 
uh, front covers because it's an anteater and a Cassie's turning into it. There's not much else to say. Uh, but if you go into the inner cover, this is where it gets really interesting because the inner cover depicts usually a scene from the book. And they've gotten better about this. They actually have started, for the most part, being scenes from the book. And this one specifically points out that there's Helmicrons on the anteater's tongue and, uh, you know, it's right there. Yeah, I dig this one. Yeah, it's pretty good, except think about this. So I just finished the book maybe an hour ago. Um, and if you look in the background, you have this, I would assume, traumatized family looking on. Uh, <laughs> because if the ending of this book, spoilers, uh, has like them morphing to Andalite, Andalite to this, Fizzer 3 out morphing while a tail blaze to his neck. This all happens in the anteater enclosure at the gardens. Not to uh, mention like five, six different anteaters just appearing out of nowhere. Suddenly the little tiny anteater enclosure must have been like packed to the brim full of anteaters. <laughs> I assume what we're looking at is Cassie in the foreground and Visitor 3 killing Helmicrons and probably some controllers in the background. That's him, the one moseying about in the background. More than likely, still a really cool uh, uh, concept art here. Um, I, I I just dig the idea that they actually show us the Helmicrons. I think they they had some kind of push to show more of the aliens because you start getting those advertisements and the the book inserts and stuff that showed like all the hork and all their concepts for Lyrons and everything else. So maybe they had some kind of alien push at some point in the marketing. Really, yeah. You know, it's too bad, too, because they could have uh, used this as an opportunity to maybe show off some of their spaceships or something. <laughs> oh, yeah. I would like to see one of those spaceships. And uh, <laughs> there's, I have something to say about the spaceships when we get there. But Well, yeah, based on their prominence to the story, you would think, well, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, so I want to go ahead and read the back of the book. Please do. Cassie, the other Animorphs, and Axe have a few little problems. A few very little problems. Actually, the problems call themselves Helmicrons. They're less than an inch tall, and they're pretty upset at Cassie. They believe she stole their ship. Cassie thought it was just a toy and gave it to charity. Now the Helmicrons want it back. That's not the plot of this book. So the Animorphs <laughs> and Axe have a new dilemma, because the Helmicrons have their own secret weapon. They can shrimp shrink other beings down to their size and if they don't get their ship back soon everyone on the planet is in for a little surprise and that's again not even close to the plot of the book well it's the plot of the book uh for the first couple of uh chapters no, here no it's not at no point did the helmicrons say give us our ship back or we need to find that ship they just find it in like two seconds yeah they literally find it right away as soon as uh they so that's they... not that's not a plot point that's a scene transition okay i guess you know what it's very <laughs> deceiving this the way that it's worded i'll give you that and yeah this whole thing is is mostly uh just really to set up the concept to get you interested well yeah in but if they would have just switched out helmicron ship with blue box that's the plot that's, that's all they had to do for the back and somebody in marketing you know probably there probably was a draft of this summary multiple drafts of this summary written up where somebody in marketing said, you know what? No, we can't say blue box. We can't Nobody use the extra words to explain what the morphing device is. Well, these books have to be designed and marketed so that I want any a, random kid can pick it up. I want a back of the book that says like Escafil device. I want it. I want it to be hardcore. 
Well, uh, you can always make your own back cover, Coleman. Nobody's Good. stopping you. It'll make it out of paper mache, and it's going to be beautiful. <laughs> I, I bet it will be, friend. So that's the that's that's the covers of the book. Um, dare I say, shall we dive inside the book? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to read it again, but we can talk or, about or do you, it. Do you just want to stay outside of it and talk about it from the outside? <laughs> <laughs> no, let's let's uh, let's open our page. Let's open our books to page one. No, okay. Well, I'm going to start this right out by telling you that the entire first chapter, besides the little tiny uh, Helmicron journal entry or whatever it is that appear in the first couple of chapters of this story, besides that, the first chapter is skippable recap. Which, let's go ahead and talk about those real quick. I would say I'm, I'm all for them doing weird things uh, where they, you know, just mix up the format a little bit. I thought that was cool. I think they did it a little too often, like after, you know, you lost its novelty about halfway through the book and it was still going on. But still, is uh, I like them doing weird format changes and that's cool. Uh, yeah, I suppose so. And it does give you a little, little eensy beensy look Just a little at, one. at what the Helmicron, you know, culture is kind of like before we officially get to meet them within the story. So, you know, ahead of time that they're super annoying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they incredibly are, and we get at least two books with them. So Woo! good times. Mm-hmm. I've never read the second book with the Helmicrons. Okay, yeah, well, neither have I. Well, well fun talk, times. Talk about that when we get to it. Speaking of fun times, this whole story starts out with uh, Cassie helping her parents by loading out a bunch of stuff to take to Goodwill. And um, Rachel, of course, shows up because anytime it's a Cassie book, you know, the natural pairing is the only other girl on the team, Rachel. <laughs> I want to see, like, Cassie coming back from the beach with, like, Marco. What's that about? Well, you know, and the funny thing is they did try the uh, the Cassie-Marco pairing in this book. And it was and awesome and hilarious the entire time. We'll get to that, but uh, Rachel shows up to tease uh, Cassie about bathing suits or some girl talk. <laughs> they show up and play girl talk, that board game from the Rachel, early 90s. Rachel, <laughs> <laughs> Rachel wants to go to the mall. So, you know, new plot point for her. Very big character development. Um, and <laughs> well, they, they actually do go to the beach here. Yeah, and they, they don't go to the mall and buy a new suit, though. But they talk about it, and it gets the ball rolling, and they go to the beach. Uh, and on their way back, they just, those rascally girls just walking around in their bathing suits, not a care in the world. And uh, Jake is waiting at Cassie's farm. And he's never seen Cassie with those few clothes on. Oh, yeah, it's a, it's a cute little moment, I'll say, I'll say. Yeah, and uh, so... So, like, nothing happens from here. I mean, Jake comes over to bring some stuff to, to take to Goodwill. He's there just so that he can be added into the plot of the story. Because this is the point where uh, Cassie finds something is strange. In well, I stopped that- there. I stopped there for a moment. That pause that may or may not be in the episode later on. Because uh, we skipped over the fact that Cassie sees a little bit of a little toy ship on uh, the water pump as they're leaving to go to the beach. And she grabs it and uh, throws it in the back of the truck that's going to Goodwill for some uh, donating. Oh, my God. Did we flub up that? We flubbed up. The very first plot point. The only plot point, maybe, in this (laughs) whole book. The fact that she she did send off that first spaceship in the the first load, yes. I mean, we just read the back of the book that detailed how this whole book is about finding that ship. But that's how forgettable it is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're more excited, honestly, to talk about them, uh, about Jake seeing Cassie in the bathing suit. Like that's that's the book is more excited about that too. It was that's a long scene. 
Uh, yeah, exactly. Longer than the, uh, well, and it's because you knew that the spaceship was significant. But when they come back, and there's another little spaceship sitting on the uh, the water pump, is where it is, uh, that's when they realize that something is weird, because this one actually starts to fly away. I wish this whole book were explained by, like, Marco with a remote control in the background, like, not being seen. Uh, and he's just flying little toy spaceships around and making everybody scared. Man, that would be a wonderful twist to get to the end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, it flies away, and uh, all the Animorphs are distressed by this. They decided to have a group meeting about it, and uh, they want to talk about what they can do to stop whatever this is that might or might not be Yerk-related. Yeah, well, they have no idea, and Axe, as usual, is pretty useless in, in providing them any sort of knowledge on this topic. I like this. This is... Uh, it's kind of a plot point from later on in the book, but I like how the Yurks know about the Helmicrons, but the Andalites don't. What's that about? Uh, I don't know. You could chalk it up to just the bad guys having heard of each other because they're both off being so bad. Or just, I mean, Yurks, like all they do with their day is try to find a planet for invasion. So, I mean, maybe they just came across these Helmicrons and realized how annoying they were. Saw that they were obviously going to be no use in terms of host bodies. <laughs> I bet they didn't even try that hard. But anyway, so the Animorphs go to Goodwill. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> the Animorphs go to Goodwill because they realize, like, uh, I guess that that tiny ship. There was something to it. We better, you know, track down the other one. And uh, the guy there. I mean, he just lets them in the back. Uh, terrible Goodwill employee. Just lets them rifle through their donations. Um, looking for this toy spaceship. And a couple couple little good Star Trek jokes here. I thought it was believable. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know how Goodwill's <laughs> work up there, in, uh, up there in Minnesota. You just let people take what they want. Here in Texas, they're guarded. All no, right. uh, that's actually because people in Minnesota are so nice that if you walked into one and was like, hey, I was just here an hour ago and I dropped something off, but I realized I made a mistake and I need to get it back... Half yeah, the people. Yeah, they'd be like, oh, you go back in the back there and get out your little toy snowmobile, yeah. Half the people who enter a Goodwill in Texas is a true fact. Half, Roughly half the people who enter a Goodwill in Texas, even normal shoppers, don't come out. They are wow. shot on site for trying to go to Goodwill. Oh, I thought you were going to say they just like disappeared into the, the Twilight Zone. They're donated. <laughs> They're donated to Goodwill. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so they find their ship, and the other Helmicron ship appears. Now, these uh, these Helmicron ships are called Planet Crusher and Galaxy Blaster. Is that correct? Was, those words could be interchangeable, but yeah, it sounds right enough. Planet Blaster, <laughs> Galaxy Crusher? <laughs> Either way, it sounds good. I mean, they're, they're generic sci-fi uh, spaceship names. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, we get to see a little bit of the... Helmicron culture and uh, how they hate each other. If you're not on their ship, it's uh, it's a very harsh reaction. Yeah, exactly. This is a, a very uh, harsh introduction to the Helmicrons and their personalities, which we see are very they're very strong personality for such small of stature beings. <laughs> yeah, and as far as uh, villains go, uh, they 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 go ahead and immediately tell the Animorphs their plan. To steal the yeah, blue box? Course. Well, they don't tell them so much as they, they demand that the power source be turned over to them. So they're they're very upfront about what they want. Yeah, and uh, you get a little funny scene here with um, the Helmicron ship opening fire on the Animorphs and just 
just little little tiny little dracon beams um hitting them now this is interesting so the it says specifically over and over again that they're shooting dracon beams um that's a yerk technology like the yerks created that at what point did the helmicrons get a hold of it who knows maybe the helmicrons just well for one thing we could say that that might just be chalked up to having to write these things so quickly and you know being lazy and not coming up with new helmicron technology terms There's definitely a faux pas that i think this book was written super quickly that i'll mention here in a minute but um yeah 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 but uh, i i think maybe maybe that's the backstory of the yurks encountering the helmicrons and the helmicrons like stealing their technology or something uh either way i want a helmicron chronicles uh, oh my gosh i don't think anybody could handle a helmicrons <laughs> told Hel- from helmicronicles we'll call it <laughs> told from the perspective of three different helmicrons oh jeez. um <laughs> Yeah, so they they declare that they want the power source, which is the blue box, and they fly away again, you know, back to the back to the farm to get it. And the team is like, "Oh no, we quickly have to morph bird and chase after it." And there's like and kind of an unnecessary action scene where they're all birds and the spaceship is, you know, having a little dogfight with Tobias and uh it it seems like a filler action scene. It does. To be honest with yeah. you. Yeah. I I agree with that completely. Um, I do want to read you an excerpt. We haven't done this in a while. I have an excerpt Ooh. for you. Excerpt me, bro. Okay, give me one moment. Open my book up. Excerpt it. You've been okay. excerpted. I would just like to remind the audience that this is a Cassie book. So this is from Cassie's perspective. Let me go ahead and read this excerpt. That was not a good idea. The impact stunned me and made my vision swim. I didn't think I wanted to try that again, but fortunately the Helmicrons broke off and hauled butt towards Cassie's farm, just a quarter of a mile away. Holy crap. That is Cassie. I didn't even think about that when I was reading it. I don't think the authors did either. Uh, That's (laughs) a, wow. Cassie refers to her farm as if she's not Cassie. That is uh that's a very nice catch. Good job, Coleman. I wonder if anybody else has managed to catch that. I don't know. Well, you know what? Our audience has been pretty fickle, I think, uh, over the past I don't know, years. Um, and they call us out on a lot of stuff that we don't get or miss. Like, did you uh real quick, a little tangent, uh, did you see the guy on Reddit who was like or I guess there are multiple people on Reddit calling us out because we did not realize that in the hork Chronicles, the little flip page animation at the bottom of the corner, that was the different life cycles of a York host. No, I got that. I mean, I totally got that. Uh, I know that we sounded very confused about it, and most of the confusion stems around the fact that the, the ged, or the drawing of the ged, the representation mm-hmm. of that, looks very much like a monkey. And in fact, I mean, it just might be a monkey. I don't think it's a monkey. It, it looks like a, a freaking monkey. Or maybe it's like a Photoshop <laughs> monkey that they say is Jed. Either way, oh my gosh, I got an email on that, got like multiple comments on Reddit. They're just like, wow, I don't, I don't know how our host missed that. I think our audience is starting to doubt us as true Animorphs fans or just cognitive humans. I don't know. It's really hard to judge how the masses think and feel when all we see are like five comments about people being like, I can't believe they didn't get the page flipping pictures. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you know what? Uh, This isn't going to do us any favors, but what the crap are Animorphs? You're going to upvote a stupid sweater with a badly stitched (laughs) Andalite on it. Like quadruple, quadruple the amount of upvotes that our interview 
our hour-long interview with Michael Gray. <laughs> I'm not I bitter. I'm not bitter. I'm just I don't, saying. I don't know if um, it was a matter of timing, like, you know, just the specific day and hour that we happened to upload that interview to Reddit. You think there was a cross-promotion with it, our hoodies? It just <laughs> happened to coincide with the posting of an Animorph sweatshirt, which just just reaped the karma, you and know? It had, like, <laughs> I didn't even read them, but it had, like, 15 comments what were you guys talking about? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Uh, oh man, I I don't know. I didn't go into it. I can't imagine. This is but. why this is why Animorphs isn't getting rebooted. It's your fault. <laughs> I'm saying that to our fans. It's your fault. You know, maybe it was maybe it was too soon after the the Michael Grant AMA happened. I believe had did it did it happen directly on our it, Animorphs or it was, was it on our books? It was on our books, and it was a week earlier, which. You know what? That's that's fine. Maybe you thought you got all the answers that you needed from the author of the Animorphs, but I will say that if you haven't listened to the episode yet, he talks about the ending of the book in a way that I've never heard either of them talk about before. Oh, exactly. Plus, I mean, we just we'd learned so much about, you know, their feelings on the ending of the series, how it ended, um where they where they see it going, like it's just go listen to it. Either way, I'm losing all faith. <laughs> Losing all faith, I'm getting depressed. Uh, I barely get out of bed in the morning. I don't. I'm oh my just, God. Okay. I'm haunted by this tangent's gone on. I'm haunted by that sweater. Haunted. <laughs> Please, people, send us the sweater. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna it's wear the it. only way to solve this crisis. I'm we gonna must w- wear it. I'm gonna wear it and jump off the Brooklyn Bridge. That and go to Reddit.com/slash r slash animarchs and upvote our. Michael Grant interview, no, 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 no. which is take, several weeks old at this point. Take that effort, you would do that, and go to iTunes and leave us a review. Uh, you know, maybe it's a bad review because I talked way too long about a sweater on this week's episode. But <laughs> still, that's, hey, that's this, where I'd like this to week's episode is lacking content as it is. Damn it! <laughs> you know what also shrinks besides Helmicrons? Sweaters. Yeah. Way to tie it in, buddy. <laughs> Speaking of Helmicrons, they're all back at Cassie's barn area. And the Helmicrons have a tractor beam that they're like making the blue box, uh, you know, stick to them with. So yeah, they, they're, they they're kind of hauling that around. They cut into the water pump first. So there's a joint effort here. Both ships are back and functional. And they cut the water pump off, grab the blue box. Sure. This is all done in like this chaotic kind of action-y scene where they're birds and they're they're fighting them. Well, this is a second. This is our second a- uh, alien bird dog fight in as many of like five pages. <laughs> like it's a whole yeah. other scene. And it won't be the last. <laughs> nope. You know, the Helmicrons have the blue box, which is important to the plot because it's their power source. And now they can use their signature weapon, which is the shrinking ray, the the whole concept that this story, this book is based around. And of course, Cassie being the main character is hit by it. So I do like that link. I like that link that the Helmicrons have to the Andalites where they recognize the power signature of this box because they use, they've tapped into the same energy, the same power or technology uh, that the Andalites have. And even though they don't know each other, it's kind of cool that this technology exists in another species just instead of, I don't know, whatever Andalite, I guess Andalites are a bunch of hippies that they're like, let's turn into animals. Uh, whereas <laughs> the Helmicrons were like, let's shrink our foes to be our size. Uh, but they both 
with di- completely different wants and needs and and culture and background. They both sure. created this technology. The way I see it is they're just, you know, they have different needs for their, their technology. The Andalites specifically wanted this technology that could uh, rearrange DNA structures and, and matter and morph, essentially, while the Helmicrons wanted to uh, restructure your physical matter and, and shrink it. Yeah, um, but it, specifically the, down to be their size. But it's interesting because the Helmicrons actually say that it's the same technology. Like they, yeah, it's, it's similar. So, so this kind of technology could pop up again in a future plot point, being used to manipulate people in some other specific sci-fi tropey way. That'd be cool. I'd like to see that book. Yeah, the sci-fi trope book. Ooh. <laughs> um, so, so Helmicrons, they get the blue box, and they're they're trying to get away from this massive chaos of birds and andalites. And uh, they run off into the barn, not knowing yeah, what it I've is. Yeah, I've already said this. Cassie, uh, Tobias, and Marco are all shrunk. <laughs> yeah, they're hit with the shrunk ray. And uh, we get a very Honey, I Shrunk the Kid-esque scene here. Well, where... and they even make the reference themselves. Honey, I Shrunk the Animorphs. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's great. And uh, as that being one of my favorite movies in the 90s. Uh, yeah, exactly. Super excited One that I definitely watched a lot as a kid. Oh, a ton. Wasn't The Neighbor from Minnesota? Uh, I don't know. Probably. I think they I haven't talk- seen it. I haven't seen it in my adult life. Oh, what a shame! You've missed out. <laughs> not not only it's dude, it's the perfect trilogy. Let's talk here for a second. Honey, I shrunk the kid. Honey, I accidentally blew up the kid. And honey, we shrunk ourselves. This is uh, this is I the. I feel tri- like there ever. are more of them that you didn't mention. Also, while we're on the topic, I'm gonna go out there and say it. The made-for-TV series, uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, was. Quite enjoyable. I don't remember that. Oh yeah, they, they was a made-for-TV series that had a couple of seasons actually that just followed the uh, the Skolinski family, I believe it was. Were they? Oh, their, they were just uh, different actors. Yeah, they had they had lookalikes. I um, vaguely remember that because I remember the kid wearing the same baseball hat. The friend. I remember it being a completely different actor, but wearing like the same hat. They did a lot of other uh, sci-fi. Um, you know, generic adventures like time travel and other things. Yeah. How do I remember the Back to the Future cartoon, but I don't remember the Honey, I Shrunk the Kid show? <laughs> uh, there's a lot, and I tell you, a lot of miscellaneous 90s TV show trivia that we could delve into, like you... the old uh, Ace Ventura cartoon oh my or the gosh. Mask cartoon. I don't want to go too crazy <laughs> with this tangent, but can you just confirm? Not. No, listen, listen. Can you just confirm my sanity for a second? There was an Aladdin cartoon, right? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it was like my favorite show, and it was actually Aladdin re- the the series. Yeah, and it was actually really good, like really, really well done. Oh and yeah, yeah. No oh, one it remembers was fantastic. it. Every person I bring this up to, no one remembers. Uh, yeah, man, I, I'm right there with you. I used to watch the Aladdin series, uh... On Disney? Way yeah. back in the day. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, no, back to Animorphs. Holy crap, man. Aladdin never did a shrinking episode, as far as I'm aware of. I bet they did. You're, you're gonna eat your words, I'm gonna find that. <laughs> no, yeah, I know, I know. Genie sure is up did. to his crazy antics, and they all get yeah. shrunk. <laughs> exactly. Will the uh, Prince of Thieves save them? Find out next time. We've we've written the episode already. <laughs> um, 
Uh, they're 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 shrunk down now. They're in Cassie's barn. It's a big to do. It's the whole point of the book. We finally gotten there after like what five, six, seven, eight chapters. Desperately try to keep talking about this book. <laughs> um, the Helmicrons have have been like fended off long enough that you know the rest of the team is kind of trying to figure out what to do about the fact that half of their team is shrunk down to ant size. I, I I think they say one sixteenth an inch. Yeah, that's the that's the base. One eighth an inch. No, it's one sixteenth. That's what they jump off from. Um, right. So yeah, and that's that's really important to this book. I mean, it, it really tried. Oh, to exactly. Stick to the math on that. Um, even until having they Axe th- talk about throw it. out all the rules at the end. <laughs> yeah, but <sighs> so yeah, so you know, Cassie tries to morph even smaller. That maybe just morphing in general will will do something. But they, she actually almost goes like super tiny. So they get scared by that concept. Right. Yeah. Um, they they basically try to explain a way that they should not be morphing right now. And I believe that's a, a storytelling method here to get them to just you know have a book where they're small humans kind of have to have that honey. I shrunk the kids story. Yeah. And, uh, so you have, um, Cassie's dad come in and I don't know if you felt this, but this is like a really cringy, like way too realistic, awkward scene for me. Like some parents, you know, coming in on the kid neighbors playing in their barn and like telling them to get out of there. You know, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. It was very strange for the Helmicron book. Cassie's dad, who, you know, based on what we've seen of him in the past books, he's always been kind of a cool guy. I mean, remember, he's friends with uh, Crazy Helen. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So, you know, he's kind of all right. But this book, you know, they made him seem kind of weird because he's like, damn kids, get out of my barn. He's just like, (laughs) no, like I said, it's a little too real. Like, it's like he's too much of a dad here where he's just like doesn't want to be bothered with his kids' friends who they shouldn't even be there anyway. And maybe they're getting into trouble. So why don't you just kids, why don't you head out? It doesn't help that Axe is there in Human Morph being really weird again, but I don't think this is the first time... Okay, wait a minute. Axe has met Cassie's dad. But as Jake. As Jake, as Jake. and probably the other, some someone else, too, <laughs> before meeting him as himself. But, yeah. I mean, that seems like, that seems wrong, too. I, I have to believe that Cassie's dad has seen Axe in his Human Morph before this book at some point. Maybe in his Andalite Morph. We don't even know. <laughs> I'm not sure, but... <laughs> Axe says he's Can- Canadianese <laughs> at one point. Uh, ben would love that. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Ben Tubb, our Canadian friend. Who has not Great been on to the name show. drop him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, anyway, so they, you know, they try morphine that doesn't work out. Cassie's dad comes in, his wacky antics. But uh, this is when the Helmicrons come out of their ship and they show up and uh, they take charge of the situation in the way that they think they are. Uh yeah, after after explaining that um <clears throat> while they're shrunk, it's basically like like Ant-Man rules cuz they have strength that's relative to their size or well, not, whatever. It's not total it's... Ant-Man rules. Ant-Man rules would be <laughs> I mean, they have it... the power of a fully grown human as a small person. It's it's convenient when it needs to be, I'll say. They can lift dirt pretty easily. That's what it boils down to. Yeah, they got they got swept up by some dirt and they're able to get out of there. The Helmicrons do show themselves and big surprise, they're, you know, the same size. They're tiny. And they look as goofy as you can see on the image. They have like four legs and they just have dumb shaped heads and they just look <laughs> dumb. They're dumb aliens. I'll say that. Also, it doesn't help that we are given absolutely no distinction between any of them. 
It is literally just the Helmicrons because they, as a character, are just a mob of creatures. Yeah, I think that was... You get that? That was definitely intentional. I don't think they wanted to have any one Helmicron stand out or anything. No, and... Uh, except the know, captain. Oh, captain, my captain. Well, kind of, except does the captain count as a character? The captain was my favorite character of this book. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll uh, get to that in No a bit. joke. No joke. <laughs> Mine too. When you get when you really when, think about it, when you get to into the ship and they meet the captain, it becomes weakened at Bernie's. It's awesome. <laughs> Honey, I Shrunk the Kid meets weakened at Bernie's. Tell me that's not a Hollywood script ready to be written. I don't. Yeah, you know what? You're probably right. Throw some animorphs in there. How could it go wrong? But yet this book, it stumbles. <laughs> this. Bu- Hey now, come on, let's turn this show around. We can get on the rails here. I'm we sorry. haven't lost it. Just, just you went like straight into like dead serious reviewer of this book where you're like, okay, now this is where the Helmicron book started to stumble. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. That was just really funny to me. That is what we're doing here, reviewing the book. <laughs> okay. All right, so I just I went into a tangent and I had to wrap it up. Honestly, is what happened there. This is, I mean, now they're folks, dealing this with this is where the book stumbles. <laughs> <laughs> the 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 Helmicrons appear in person, and uh, so does the rest of the uh, the Animorphs come back to help you know their tiny comrades fight, and they're in Bugmorph and acts as a freaking giant spider to them, which was which pretty is, terrifying. Yeah. Oh, it would absolutely be a horrible, horrible experience, and that is, I think, one of the biggest reasons why they went with doing this concept and this book was because they're like, oh, we can't pass up the opportunity to have, you know, little Cassie, little Marco looking up at a giant spider. Yeah, and I I mean, honestly, you can tell why this book was written. Uh, While some of the books are written um, to, like, get a specific animal's point of view or to introduce something like that, like, you can kind of tell with the Animorphs books what interested the author with each book, I think. And uh, this one was definitely uh, wanting to talk about, like, molecules and, uh, like, the really bacterial-level stuff. I think that's... Oh, I, I fully believe that this is uh, a precursor to Michael Grant taking an interest in what would eventually become Berserk. Oh, you think... This, this, this is exactly Berserk. I mean... You think this is his handiwork? Uh, well, I mean, I think it's written a little bit like Catherine, if I, if I were to guess. No, it's like, I think this is where Michael maybe took an interest in the idea of shrinking and, uh, in his words, getting down into the macro and the micro Mm -hmm. and examining, you know, things at, at skin flake sized level and all that. Uh, this, this definitely, uh, feels like a precursor to that. Okay. As a, as a person who's read Berserk. Yeah. I can say I, I saw a lot of similarities here. Okay, that's that cool. Um, so anyway, so the Helmicrons, uh, they're they're firing on the bugs and actually doing some damage, and these are the Animorphs and Morphs, so uh, Cassie comes up with the bright idea of surrendering, surrendering her and Marco uh, so that the Animorphs can go free. Because the, the Helmicrons have a pretty decent shot of at least killing one of them or maiming them, maybe. Yeah, so. I guess when you think about it, I mean, it seems like... A no-brainer, like, it should be easy for them to defeat some ant-sized enemies, but when they're in bug morph and they have real guns that can do actual damage, 
to even a bug, yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, so Cassie and Marco, they go onto the ship. And we Surrendering s- quite humorously. Yeah, and we start learning more about the Helmicron culture. Oh yeah, uh, this is <laughs> this is the turning point in the book, where you find out just how batshit crazy the Helmicrons are as a species. They kill anyone who doesn't agree with them, and that, that, I mean literally themselves. Like they kill each other if they disagree or if they're found to be at fault. Oh, and huge mobs. They just come yeah, in with their swords, swords and start slashing each other is, apart. When they describe these Helicrons, they just mention the jumpsuit. They never mentioned a sword. So they just pull these swords out of nowhere. Like it's a Monty Python skit. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is exactly right. Because we had no no indication that that could happen. Yeah, they just pull swords out and start killing each other. And uh, it even like hilariously describes them laying on the deck of the ship after one of these fights, uh, just with swords impaling them. Like, literally, the authors were laughing when they wrote this. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Uh, I wish we had read this before talking to Michael, <laughs> and uh, maybe we could have asked him about that. Hey, award-winning author Michael Grant, let's talk about Helmicrons for an hour and a half. Uh, we could do an entire one-hour uh, interview with him specifically on Helmicrons just, and where he sees their, them, them going in the future. Let's just shoot ourselves in the foot. Do all this work to get Catherine on the show. Uh, talk about nothing except book 24, The Suspicion. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I Honestly, I bet they would have a lot to say, not just on this book, but on the period in their life when this was written around that time. Well, I love Michael's answer that they got a lot of the ideas uh, for Animorphs plots based on Star Trek. And they keep using the word nacelle. In this book, to describe the Helmicron ships, like the engines, they keep saying engine nacelle, and that is like, I've never heard that word used anywhere except Star Trek. Oh, really? Anywhere. Like, engine nacelle, I'm pretty sure it's not a thing except on Star Trek. Oh, see, I didn't catch that. They use it like Star Trek viewer. They use it like eight times in this book. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah. Well, was there a Star Trek episode where they shrank? Oh, yeah. (laughs) There is literally, you know, there's the joke that Simpsons did it. Dude, Star Trek Next Generation did every plot point possible. That show, oh, yeah. that show ran for so long. I I haven't even watched all of it, and I guarantee there's an episode where somebody shrank. <laughs> okay, well, I'll, I'll take your word for it, and I'll take Michael Grant's word for it too, because you know he's probably the expert. Yeah. So anyway, so the Helmicrons can track morphing technology. And Cassie comes up with... Marco doesn't do much in this book. He makes some bad jokes. But... um, Yeah. He's pretty much there to be the comic relief. Yeah. And to suggest that him and Cassie uh, repopulate the world. Yeah, I know. There's a a sly little jab there. A a jab Um, that he brings up twice. Uh, Just saying. It's kind of the closer joke. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anyway, so Cassie suggests that none of the Animorphs in view have the blue box when the Helmicrons demand that uh, they turn it over or tell them who has it. And they say that there's one more person with morphing technology on the planet, and he has the blue box. Visitor 3. Yeah, they, they just trick them into going after the Yerks. That's it doesn't what make, it amounts to. It doesn't make any sense, because not only does it put the blue box in peril, but they, they know the Helmicrons can't actually fight the Yerks or really do anything, so like this goes no, nowhere. It's like, it's like hey... Let's include the Yerks for no reason and probably endanger ourselves even more. Basically, the authors got halfway through this book and were like, how are we going to bring Visitor 3 into this? 
Well, I, I believe it was because the Helmicrons weren't strong enough to stand on their own as the sole enemies of this book. I take offense to that. That's why the Yerks needed to be brought in. Bring back, you know what? I don't even want the series to be started back again for any other reason than for the Helmicrons to get their due. No, you know what? I, I, I agree with you 100%. I think the shrinking concept in general could be brought back and could be used uh, again and better <laughs> in future installments. Yeah. But There's no reason why it shouldn't be. Anyway, so, I mean, we get this part of the book now where the Helmicrons, they find, uh, they go to space for like two seconds, uh, see that Visor 3 is flying back down to the planet, fly back down to the planet. Oh, yeah, it's just insane where they're, it's so hard to follow this because they they follow him in his limo and they're like, Zipping around, shooting at him. He gets out. He's swatting at him in person. Um, it's it's just a very confusing scene, made more confusing by the fact that everyone is l- small. Um, yeah, and Cassie and uh, Cassie and Marco at one point morph to flies, and we get into that whole molecular level thing uh, where they're they're flying like through the hand of a Helmicron almost because uh, they're so tiny. Yeah, and they they have to avoid like a blaster, which still ends up kind of incinerating them a bit. That was the coolest thing I thought about this book: the fact that they went down to the molecular level and actually watched a dracon beam tear apart the cells. That's yeah, that was pretty sweet. Yeah, that's Ant Man did it, but <laughs> did it? Did he? Have you seen Ant Man? Yeah, I don't remember that. Well, I mean, he he shrinks, you know. Like a lot. <laughs> More than anyone oh, should. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was the big, that was big point in the book where they kept telling him don't shrink to that level. It's kind of a, yeah, it's kind of a spoiler if I say anything more than that. Like I just did and ruined it. Um, well, no, no, no. And this, what happens in this book is very different from that. True. Um, Completely different, folks. Go out and see totally, Ant-Man. Totally. Uh, they, they end up... Okay, so this is how crazy this was. They they were just flying around, you know, and they're like, hey, we need to go after Visitor 3. When all of this is said and done, like half the book later, they end up demorphed on top of Chapman's head which, inside a, a meeting of the uh, sharing that's happening somewhere. Which, uh, yeah, good good job bringing Chapman back. We haven't seen him in a while. Oh, exactly, yeah. He's been name-dropped a bit, but now now they're actually there on top of his head, and we can confirm that he's got mites. I did... I, <laughs> we all have mites. Uh, I did, like, I a throwaway line. Uh, it's just it's one of those little things that just, I don't know, builds the world better for me, and it shows that these authors are good writers. The fact that, like, they say, oh, the sharing, they're having their meeting in the uh, the old chapel or something they use all the time. Like, it was just a throwaway line, um, but it just, I don't know, it felt a little deeper to me that they were just... This is where the sharing meets occasionally, and, and the Animorphs have scouted them out, and they know there are places where they meet, and you know it's it's just hints at a larger world. I, I like it. I didn't pick up on that. I thought it was just a throwaway line. Uh, well, okay. <laughs> Difference in opinions. You know, I try I try to bring a little a little of the uh, professionalism to this review. I try to come back from my uh, and I try to bring the fun. In. Yeah, and you and you killed it. You ruined it. So good. Killing whatever vibe you put out there is what I'm going to try and make a career out of. <laughs> it doesn't pay well, I'll tell you that. <sighs> oh, believe me, I know. Uh, let's see. They're on top of Chapman's head. Uh, Tobias, Little Hawk, shows up. I'd like <laughs> to point out the fact that we skipped over that um, Tobias, when he shrunk down, they're all like relative size. So Tobias is actually like the same size as the humans now. So it's like a big Tobias. It's kind of it's, it's cool. 
I bet in his head he was like, yes, finally. <laughs> <laughs> what? Just happy to be like the yeah. same size as them? Hey, guys, you want to like go to the mall but now? But creepy you know? as hell. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, so this is chaos. Um, they they make a throwaway line about how the fact that uh, the Animorphs didn't want to leave the blue box anywhere because they're afraid the Helmicrons might steal it. And they brought it with them. But Axe doesn't know that the other Helmicron ship um, is going to try to get a hold of it still. It happens off screen. We don't see it. But the Helmicron ship flies into the sharing meeting, uh, holding the blue box, and just starts shrinking everybody. <laughs> well, right. This is how you know they were kind of desperate to wrap this thing up and, and like add some more conflict because they had to shrink Visor 3 and some random controllers. Yeah, and, and everyone everyone kind of just is like scrambling to get the blue box. Like you said, it's it's very much like a Monty Python sketch. <laughs> it is, and and I agree with you in that they were trying to wrap this up because I think in a normal Animorphs book, if they cared about the plot and were trying to take it seriously, um, you would have a scene right after this one where the Animorphs regroup and talk about what just happened and, and then form a plan for how they're going to beat this or they're beaten and they got to come back from it. Instead, everybody ends up on Axe. Everybody's fighting in some off-screen battle we don't even see. And, <laughs> right. And Cassie has Axe morphed to bird and she's like, gardens, go to gardens. I got an idea. <laughs> <laughs> I know the whole the whole action scene here gets so scrambled and jumbled together. Um, it's really hard to just know what's going on in general. Yeah. Um, everybody. Uh, yeah. Cassie's great plan to kind of just like stack their heaviest morphs on top of the Helmicron ship to like weigh it down enough for Axe to catch it, and it it gets a bit ridiculous. Well, here. I do love one thing that happens here that happens in a few books, and it's especially hilarious here my favorite part of like the enemies the Yerkes' enemies is when there's no hork bajir and it's just a bunch of human controllers scrambling to do what the visor wants and they're all just running around and tripping and doing all these things and like, <laughs> and, like, right. like he jumps off next here in a moment where they all jump off axe uh just you know the visor jumps off as well and then a bunch like 20 human controllers just start i just picture it like they're like jumping out of an airplane, just like, Visor, we're coming! <laughs> yeah, um, I think one of the biggest drawbacks of this book, or this story, is that we don't get it visually, uh, and by that I mean it, it would just be such a better story if we could see what was happening instead of reading about it. Yeah, I, I think there would be a lot of uh, visual jokes that, that don't Yeah, yeah, exactly. A lot of visual gags mm -hmm. possible here. So, Anyway, so... Yeah, like you said, uh, Cassie's plan involves them going to the gardens. But real quick, um, before that, we skipped over, and it's okay, we skipped over things in this book, but at one point, Cassie morphed a blue whale to weigh down the Helmicron ship so that the controllers could grab it, which wasn't a good idea. I don't well, know why I mentioned they did that. Their, I mentioned their weighted morph stacking. Okay, I, I didn't hear that part. I was too busy thinking <laughs> of my next Helmicron-based joke, so... Oh no! Did I did I ruin it? You did. <laughs> no, no. Uh, so they we we talked. They're but they're going to the gardens. We talked about yeah, that. Yeah, the gardens. They're flying over the gardens. Everybody jumps off. Cassie's got a plan. She will not tell us about it. Us the viewers, uh, which makes no sense in the concept of this like war journal. I don't know why she wouldn't say what she's doing, but right. And also, the, there's the fact that anyone who went into this book having looked at its cover. We'll know what the plan is. Hey, that's true. Uh, they even say it at the end of the chapter. Like, they don't try to leave suspense for it. So they knew what they were doing. Um, so anyway, so her plan is to morph Anteater 
and trap the Helmicrons. Uh, I don't know what her plan was for Visitor 3, but he catches on what they're doing pretty immediately, and he does the same thing. So you got this Mexican standoff between two anteaters, Axe, who has appeared in Andalite form and has his tail blade, to Visitor's throat because Visitor has Tobias on his tongue. Yeah, it's it's a mess. It's a it's a real mess. Mexican standoff. <laughs> that was it. You, you laughed you at that. It. That wasn't even you, funny. You, that you wasn't even close to funny. That was not even close to funny. Oh, out of nowhere, did you know that another Animorphs podcast popped up? Uh, was it the one that you told me about several months ago? Mm, brand new. No, I'm not going to advertise for them for them here. But I would just, I would tell ask, me about it off off air. No, no, I'm gonna tell you about it on air because I just started this. I would just say that uh, our listeners they could find this new Animorphs podcast, listen to the first episode, see if they can get through about ten minutes of that audio quality. Just saying. Oh, <laughs> it's it's one of those things. Yeah. Is it on iTunes? It is on iTunes, but uh, they do have really good cover art. I'll tell you, the, like the iTunes art, it's like hand drawn. It looks really really cool. It's like kind of cartoony. Really, um, you better step up your game, Coleman. I better. It's it's good cover art, but I would still say uh, I, I had hard trouble trying to listen to the first five minutes. So would you? Oh, really? Yeah. Um, speaking of cover art, man, I was thinking maybe a cool thing that we could do is with these. Uh, <laughs> Going into the ghost-written books of the series, wouldn't it be cool ghosts. if we... We put ghosts on all the cover art. <laughs> no, not where I was going with that. I was going to say, what if we had our artwork ghost-written? What? Which is to say, submitted by other people. It'd be a cool but, way to include fans if they wanted to submit their own artwork for our episodes. But I really enjoy doing that. Yeah, well, including the community is also a cool thing. But I really, really enjoy doing that. It's kind of okay. Well, it's kind uh, of made me a better graphic designer over the past two years. Hey, you know what? I'm not going to tell you to stop, Coleman. Keep doing what you're doing. No, but, that's a uh, good idea. We a- anyone else that. out there who's, who's thinking about making us some artwork, don't do it. Wink, wink. No, I will say go on to thoughtspeakcast.com. That's where our uh, podcast is located. And go through the archives, just check out the fact that we have, for each posting, we have cover art that has to do with the book in question. So I, I think this is a good idea. I think um, I think if we got some submissions uh, for artwork, try to make it a pretty large picture so that we can, you know, crop it and things like that. But uh, yeah, just based on what, what you see of our stuff, make us, make us cover art for the next few episodes and we will uh, choose the winner and uh, actually use it for the show. I think that's a, yeah, that's a good idea. That sounds like fun. Sure. So check that out and get back to us and email us your submissions at thoughtspeakcast at gmail.com. Yeah, let's all have fun and Photoshop together. Community. Uh, speaking of communities and books and this book, let's let's wrap it up. So everyone's an anteater. As you said, they're in their, their Mexican standoff. <laughs> And uh, yeah, so they work and out we a, a deal. We get a wrap up chapter. Essentially, we do. it's a hundred percent a wrap up chapter. They don't even like have the dialogue for the deal they make with Visitor Three. It just says that the Yerks like made a deal so that they could get out and tuck their tails and ran away, and um, that everybody could get re untrunk. Yeah, the they have the Helmicrons by the short and curlies uh, because they're all on Cassie's tongue. So they convinced the male Helmicrons 
to show them how the shrink ray works, and they unshrink Cassie, Marco, and Tobias, and the Yerks all off screen, and then just mention it in the next chapter. Yep, yep. It was exactly a wrap-up chapter to say, okay, and here's how everything cleans up nicely. And just to set up a future book, Marco hints and nudges that they uh, gave the male Helmicrons a talking to about how they should stand up for themselves. Well, yeah, you, you say that that's a, a hint towards a future book, but I I would take it more as just a, a weak joke to go out on because that is literally like the last couple paragraphs of the book is them arguing as they fly off into space. So basically, Marco sets back women's suffrage for uh, a good, you know, probably a thousand years in the Well, Helicon you race. also got to remember that they live in a weird, backward society where the women are the dominant ones and the men are the subservient. Do you really think that's going to go over well with our very liberal and female audience? You say it's a backward society where the women rule. Yeah. Okay. Anywho, uh, I believe that's the end of this book, thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. Was there actually, like, any kind of little end scene? Uh, no, literally, that that was it. It was they, a big deal, too. I guess one thing we didn't mention, it was a big deal that Cassie figured out that any new morph that they acquire can unshrink them. Because if you, if you think about it, the whole Z-space pulling mass and creating a new form, it doesn't matter that they're shrunk. If an ant, like a literal sentient ant, acquired morphine through the blue box, they could morph to a gorilla at full size just as easily as Marco can. So that's what they do. They acquire a new morph, get new DNA that hasn't been messed up by the Helmicron shrinking ray, and uh, that's how they're more able to morph ant, full-size anteaters and wrap up this book. Yeah, I know. We, we kind of skipped out on that explanation, but um, I didn't really like that point. <laughs> I did, because it does make sense. Like, following the science of this I just, book... I didn't think it made sense. It did, because if you think about it, like I said... Uh, Why would they still have giant DNA? <laughs> because it's not giant DNA. It's normal DNA. They told us that the Helmicron shrink ray affected the DNA that was already in their bloodstream. So if they morphed the hawk, a hawk is still going to be smaller than their current form because they had already acquired the DNA and everything was messed up by the shrink ray. But like I said, if if we weren't human-sized, if all humans were 1 16th of the size that we are now, and the Andalites came to our world and let us acquire the morphing ability, and we wanted to morph, like I said, a full-size gorilla, acquiring that gorilla would make our tiny bodies grow to the gorilla's size because that's how morphine works. When you morph an elephant, you don't morph a human-sized elephant. You morph to whatever the hu- the elephant size is because you just pull mass out of Z-space to make up for that. So, uh, so their dilemma could only be solved by acquiring a new morph. Yes. Basically. Yes. Okay. It actually makes a lot of sense. I, I'm just saying. <laughs> well, yeah, it was a very clean wrap-up to the whole problem. Yeah. So, again, um, was there any kind of ending scene to this? I mean, they go to the no, beach. No, there's just a couple of very uh, very minor, lighthearted jokes that the, the book goes out on. Like you said, uh, there's Marco making the callback to, oh, um, now that Cassie's the same size as Jake again, I guess we're going to give up on repopulating yeah. the, the land of the little people or whatever. And this is after Jake asks Cassie on a date to the beach. Yeah, exactly. Which is actually so, a little creepy. Because their whole conversation, like her and Rachel, were how, like, oh, does Jake think I'm dumpy? That's why he's acting like this. And Rachel's like, no, he's checking you out. That's why he's acting like this. And then it talks about Jake, like, slipping glances at her body. And then Jake's like, let's go to the beach. Let's go to the beach. You want to go on a date to the beach? Let's go to the beach. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's he's that age, dude. It makes total sense. It does. I'm just saying. 
I I gotta say, I was a person who lived like a stone's throw away from a beach, and I was constantly wanting to go there with as many different girls as I could get down there as possible, too. I thought they called them swamps in Minnesota. Uh, no, I believe we are the land of 10,000 lakes, land, not the land of 10,000 swamps. Land of 10, Although there swamps. are probably, I'm going to say, at least 10,000 of them are could be classified swamp-like. <laughs> but, I mean, do you really call a lake beach a beach? I mean, we think of the beach, we think of waves and seagulls and you know when i think of the beach i don't think of texas i don't <laughs> why we have a coastline the gulf of mexico mm. it's huge it's one of the largest strands when of i think of texas i think desert yeah it's west texas texas has every single climate you don't want to have this lake fight <laughs> with a minnesota person trust me <laughs> i'm just saying you don't really have a beach i got well over 10,000 lakes to choose to drown you in, sir. <laughs> we got South Padre. You want to try and drag me to your coast? Be my guest. Look, just because a Texas coast has like 17 oil refineries that you can see within distance, uh, it doesn't mean it's not a beach. It's just a really gross beach. I will drown beach. you in oil. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, my state is already trying to do that. Uh, we can get into We can get into reviewing this book, can't we? We can review you. That's what's going to happen. You can do that right after I give my review. Okay. How about that? Go ahead. Okay, so starting us out here, this is purely a concept book. They had the idea, we want to do a shrinking uh, story. We want to we wanna take some of the kids and shrink them down and make them interact with the environment and, you know, experience that whole plot. Um, they, they came up with a cool concept alien to introduce the shrink technology, um, Helmicrons are all right. They're okay. They're they're way better than the Arn. They're no chi, but you know they're up there. Uh, they got kind of a dumb design, but that's forgivable in this series of very bizarre looking creatures. But uh, this book right away hits hits me wrongly because some of these books, or, or I will say most of the Animorphs books, are divided into kind of like an A plot and a B plot. You know what I mean? There's there's multiple th- stories going on. Yeah. This this book had none of that. This this was a solely a plot book. It was Animorph shrink, chaos ensues, and then the end point is always going to be Animorphs unshrink, everything reverts to normal. That that was the only concept they had in doing this book, and the fact that it is their, you could say it's their final book before switching over to the ghostwritten format, even though they do continue writing books in the main series. But looking at it, after reading this book, I felt their tiredness. Uh, Michael Grant told us himself that they were out of ideas by book 11. And this book was the culmination of that feeling. Um, It just felt lazy in all of its writing. It felt rushed. It felt like this might have been a first or second draft of, of the story idea. Um, it felt like they had very much run out of ideas, even though shrinking is a cool concept and they could do a lot with it. I was disappointed to see that it was pretty much turned into this race to get the box and race against the Yerks. And, uh, just felt in it. it the, the whole story fell into a lot of tropes that we'd revisited before. So uh, overall, it just ends up being a neat concept and little more than that. This is not required reading in any 
way, shape, or form. I, I can't recommend this book to any of the fans. I understand why I skipped it. The Helmicrons are incredibly simplistic. They don't have a whole lot of depth to them as creatures go. Uh, when they fly off at the end, I'm quite happy to see them go, and I'm kind of thinking I hope they don't ever come back. Uh, I wish there was a better way to bring shrinking technology into the story and a more uh, concrete and better, richer story to tell with that kind of technology. That's just not found here in this book. And because of all of that, I've been wavering on my review, um, but I, I think I'm, I'm sitting pretty solid at a two subservient male Helmocrons. Wow. That's my review. Is that like the first under three review you've ever given? No, I believe that other the 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 other Cassie book, The Secret, was a two as well. That was the skunk book. Yeah. Well, on the Mitchell scale, that's really like a one. So uh, you're very positive about books, even though you don't ones you don't like. Um, well, I, I, I the only reason I got a two, and I felt like I was going to give it a one throughout this review, but the reason it gets a two is for that cool concept. I mean, I could have said a one point five, but that's just splitting hairs. We don't so I'll do give that. it a two. Yeah. I'll give it a two because I like the concept. I like shrinking. I like the Helmicrons. Kind of, sort of. They need to be reworked. But <laughs> the biggest problem with the Helmicrons is that they, they, like I said, there's not a single character that you can latch onto. I mean, they give you like, okay, here's one of the males so that you can see how their male culture is. Um, and that's really it. And then it's basically different crews or different ships of Helmicrons. So you don't get like a, a, a Visor 3 type character to latch onto and feel for, for the Helmicrons. They're basically just a nuisance. Yeah. They're like Team Rocket. True, true. So for me, I'm actually going to be a little more positive about this book. Um, I hid that from you. It was, it was a huge twist. You didn't see it coming. I actually really enjoyed this book for the most part. Uh, it does skip around. You can tell. Uh, that the authors were not super committed to telling this story, but I think something cool came out of that. Uh, to quote Monty Python, uh, I think the theme of this book is, and now for something completely different. Um, it's just, it's so wacky, and they so don't care. They just wanted to get a book out, and you could tell they were laughing while they wrote it. And that gives us, I mean, in a, in a series of 54 books, um and plus chronicles plus whatever uh however many there are officially i mean it's nice that we have these one-off books that we can just laugh about and i think it is fairly enjoyable and there's some good jokes in there and uh some monty python-esque antics um i really enjoyed a lot of that and i think going through it uh it was fun to see just a completely different writing style and thing come out of it even if they didn't mean for it to be that way um, so I, I mean, I enjoyed us talking about it cause it led to a bunch of tangents and, uh, laughing about different things. So I'm actually going to be a little more positive. I'm going to give this three out of five Helma Chronicles. Um, and I still, Oh my gosh, that's the term I coined <laughs> and I stole it from my review and I, I want that Helma Chron Chronicles book now. I, I do. Um, <laughs> so sure, why not? My, my biggest regret of the introduction of the Camelcrons in this is that they didn't factor more into the end of the series. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, like we need them showing up mucking about in they, book, you know, in the 50s. <laughs> they should have been the cliffhanger uh, that the series left out on is they, they go to the edge of known space and they come across a new enemy, fully grown Helmicrons. 
No, dude, they should have. The, the logical progression is a book where the Helmicrons come back and they are now grown to human size. Or, no, 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 check this out. So that alien species at the end of the series, the one or whatever it is that absorbs uh, other species, what if uh, it, you know, before turning into its final form or something and being like a real enemy of like Visor 3 importance, uh, what if it absorbed some Helmicrons and that's like the kind of mind that that kind of insane mindset is what they had to deal with in a, in a actually fearsome enemy that that would be a book. There's, there's definitely a lot of interesting things that they can do though. I, I just think primarily the biggest sin of this book is just, it's overall forgettableness. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a very forgettable book. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I think it's overall sin is just that if it had as a sin, it's just not, that is a book that matters and that the the plot just moves along to move along. I mean, that's that's what it comes down to. So, um, Exactly. Anyway, so in, I, if I remember correctly, the sequel book, I think I've read it once, uh, it, it tries to recapture uh, that comedy-esque tone of this book. So whether it works better or not, we'll find out. Sure. Well, as as somebody who has only known about the Helmicrons through other people's descriptions, um, I I am able to now say uh, I don't care if they come back. <laughs> well, they do. So I know, I know. We might even get the Helmicrons in Atlantis. I, I have no idea. I have no idea where <laughs> they're going to show up next. Um, so anyway, so yeah, that's uh, that's our discussion and review of book number twenty four, The Suspicion. So I hope you enjoyed that. And go back. Check out some of our earlier reviews. Check out our Michael Grant episode. Uh, you know, we've had a really big push of listeners over the last four or five episodes. And I've really enjoyed, like, um, I guess people are excited that we're putting out episodes more regularly again. At least a lot more than 2015, I'll tell you that. Oh, there's there's no way that we could do less than that at this point. <laughs> yeah, we've already topped it. So there you go. <laughs> but Nice. Anyway, so... I want to keep this going strong. I think we're about to get into some books that may end up like this episode. It might be tangent central from here on out. I mean, we've got a we've got a great book with book number twenty six, but twenty five is the start of the ghostwritten books, and twenty six and thirty three are the only or thirty two are the only K Applegate books we get besides the Chronicles, uh, the Megamorphs, and the final books of the series. So, our ghostwritten reviews. I know there's a few books that we're actually going to be really excited about that are really good. Uh, I think the rest are just going to be a tangent fest. So look forward Hopefully. to that. <laughs> good talks with my buddy. Yep. That's, that's I'm looking forward to this it. This podcast is going to morph into. It's going to be like a one of those general chat podcasts. <laughs> and I'm especially excited for our next book, uh, number 25, The Extreme uh, because not only is this our first ever ghost-written book, uh, not only is it a book that I don't believe I've ever read, um, it is also a Marco book, which I think we're we're in need of after yeah after a while of, of absence but it's, from him. But it's a Michael. It's not. Or it's a uh, Marco book not written by Michael Grant. So I don't know if that's going to be refreshing or cringeworthy. Well, you know what. Since they just had the concept and handed it over to a ghostwriter, maybe the ghostwriter decided to make it or try to make it more funny. Yeah, well, we'll see if that actually works or not. Um, but anyway, some of these ghostwritten books, it, they could uh, benefit from just having fresh eyes on the series. Um, 
the ones where they won't benefit are where they literally have ghostwriters who don't care about the series or the personalities of the characters. Right, yeah. Uh, I'm just hoping to see uh, these ghostwriters not uh, just keep rehashing the same tropes and archetypes of the characters over and over again throughout the series. You know, I'd like to see some growth. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, so, yeah, we're looking forward to those. We're going to be with you the whole time as we delve into these ghostwritten books, and a a lot of these are going to be first-time reads for me and Mitchell, so definitely looking forward to that. But anyway, I hope you've enjoyed listening. Uh, Again, we, we really appreciate any reviews or ratings we get on Stitcher or iTunes. I think that me and Mitchell actually really care about the series and we care about these fans and, and this community. And I think that we put a lot of work into this podcast and, and doing a lot of that. So I'd like to, I'd like to actually challenge you guys to show us a little love back. Uh, so far we've asked nothing of you. Now I'm asking something of you. Um, let us know. So anyway, and again, send us your episode art for the next couple episodes and, uh, we will possibly use those as well. So I got to jump off here. Uh, I think my wife is texting me like crazy. She wants to know where I am. So (laughs) (laughs) Great. Well, that's a perfect way to end this episode. Everybody, thank you so much for listening, and tune in next time for a review of The Extreme. Until then, I have been your host, Mitchell. And I'm Coleman. See you later, people. Bye, everybody.